We're now live. This is Dr. Mounts. Welcome back. I've got some great unexplained friends with me tonight. We're going to be talking about UFOs, the UFO congressional hearing, the Pentagon briefing. We are a top 25 science charts podcast. We were nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award. We've got Dr. Charles Liu coming on with us next week. Looking forward to that. Now here's Larry. Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> C.J. Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. Uh, Would that be Dane? Somebody, somebody looking for somebody. <laughs> Tonight it is. <laughs> hello hello all of our unexplained ones out there we are back and we're so lucky because this week the universe just put a little gift out there for us and brought congress together to discuss UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Joining us tonight, we have our adventurer, Dane Beck, who has had his own UFO story. If you didn't listen to the last time we had him on, you'll have to go back and check it out because, man, that was a great story. And he shared a few others that are absolutely worth the listen. So please do go back. We're not going to share those tonight because we have a lot to cover. I think the best thing for us to do is to dive into some of the clips from what we heard at the congressional hearing. So this was the first public congressional hearing on unidentif unidentified flying objects in more than half a century. This happened on Tuesday, May 16th, with top Pentagon officials saying the number of unidentified aerial phenomena reported by pilots and service members has grown to about 400. So we got to hear from Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, Ronald Moultrie, as well as Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, Scott Bray. And they answered some questions and spoke freely a little bit. We'll have to decide that once we listen. And I know that Tim had a chance to listen. Dane and Smitty, did you guys tune in to that congressional hearing? No, I was at school, so <laughs> Perfect. I didn't get to tune in. Okay. Was on YouTube. <laughs> we'll, get, well, we'll get your off-the-cuff answer. Still there. there. Anybody work. interested? Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. Still on YouTube. Still there. Well, yes. what's YouTube? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I tuned in, in the middle of the day, which is which is a miracle. Did some dishes and had a baby on my hip and listened to <laughs> listened to <laughs> the Department of Defense. It's a good day. So I think the best thing to do is just roll with the first clip, which is um, from Naval Intelligence, the Director of Naval Intelligence, Scott Bray, talking a little bit about what the Department of Defense has been doing in the past few years. Right. And, and by the way, Deputy Bray and 
Undersecretary Moultrie to Pentagon officials. Here's Deputy Director Bray. Since the early 2000s, uh, we have seen an increasing number of unauthorized and or unidentified aircraft or objects in military-controlled training areas uh, and training ranges and other designated airspace. Reports of sightings are frequent and continuing. We attribute this increase in reporting to a number of factors, including our work to destigmatize reporting, an increase in the number of new systems such as quadcopters and unmanned aerial systems that are in our airspace, uh, identification of what we can classify as clutter, mylar balloons and other types of, uh, of air trash, and improvements in the capabilities of our various sensors to detect things in our airspace. Almost two years ago, in August of 2020, Deputy Secretary of Defense Nordquist directed the establishment of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force within the Department uh, of the Navy. The UAP Task Force was built on the foundation of the Navy's initial efforts to respond to the reports from our aviators on unidentified objects observed in our training ranges. The basic issues then and now are twofold. First, incursions in our training ranges by unidentified objects represent serious hazards to safety of flight. In every aspect of naval aviation, safety of our air crews is paramount. Second, intrusions by unknown aircraft or objects pose potential threats to the security of our operations. Our aviators train as they would fight. So any intrusions that may compromise the security of our operations by revealing our capabilities, our tactics, techniques, or procedures uh, are of great concern uh, to the Navy and the Department of Defense. From the very beginning, we took these reports very seriously. We instituted a data-driven approach to the investigations where we could collect as much data as possible and use all available resources to analyze and make informed decisions on the best ways to address our findings. Our main objective was to transition UAP efforts from an anecdotal or narrative-based uh, approach this is one of the longer to a clips. rigorous science and technology. In Long enough to just cut it off right in the middle. <laughs> Pretty standard okay, stuff. Okay, so that sounds right. promising, right? It sounds like they are going to release a lot of information to us in this hearing. What did you guys gather from that first first clip there? Well, I just had to roll my eyes at the mention of weather at the mention of mylar balloons again. The you know there's always this insinuation ever since Roswell that oh man more weather balloons. Just like our longtime listener Vanma George says, man. The, the way they talk about these weather balloons, you know, they must be everywhere, but I never see them. I mean, do they even exist? <laughs> I've never seen one. <laughs> the weather balloons? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's because we're not piloting, you know, <laughs> aircraft. Who knows? I haven't heard this much about balloons since we released all those for Nancy Reagan's Just Say No to Drugs during school. Remember that? <laughs> We all gathered in the in the schoolyard and released red balloons. Now that oh, that's day, right. You remember that? Okay, there yeah. must have been a lot of uh, UAP sightings that day. That's yeah, right. yeah, a lot of there, there were a lot of Pennywise sightings that day. Well, that's true. <laughs> we had a lot of kids that had some pretty bad issues after that day. All the oh, balloons going. Hopefully, not drug yeah. issues though. That would be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do think that it's uh, it's strange that they say that they were worried about these things, you know, posing a threat to our Air Force or whatever, when there's never been a reported collision of a UAP 
that I'm aware of with any Air Force jet or military plane that I, that I know of. Uh, they saved that one for the closed session. Yeah, right. They actually <laughs> did talk about that later. <laughs> oh, Mr. Trent Leonard says CJ was approximately negative 10 when the Nancy Reagan <laughs> balloon release happened. So. Well, excuse yes. me. I was How a old fetus. does that make speedy? <laughs> I was a fetus. Okay. No. Well, it, um, I will say, though, it got off to a boring start with Deputy, Deputy Director Bray, though. But then, you know, that one of the most exciting moments happened right after that. Yes. Yeah. So, right after that, they dove right into showing a clip of a UAP outside of. A naval aircraft, I believe. Yes. In, inside Navy uh, training airspace. And just to set the stage for this, I, I'm not going to play the video, but I do have a picture. I, I managed to capture a screenshot of the picture from the video. And, and it's basically the cockpit view of the pilot. And then, I mean, boom, zip. You can kind of tell mm -hmm. something goes by, but it happens so fast that you just don't know. You, you don't know what right. it is. It happens so fast they can barely even pause it with the object on the screen. Here, here's a clip from that. Any given observation may be fleeting or longer. It may be recorded or not. It may be observable by one or multiple assets. In short, there's rarely an easy answer. For example, let me share with you the first video that we have here today, which shows an observation in real time. There it was. That's, in many cases, that's all that a report may There include. it is, and right there. So I put the screenshot up. There it is, folks. This, by the way, was classified until Tuesday. Now, for whatever reason, can you imagine this video of this thing flashing by the, the this FA-18, by the way, was classified until Tuesday. Did they uh, estimate? They had enough the speed people say it was a balloon. They did not. I don't think reveal the speed of the object. No, they they did not. In fact, he used this particular object as an example of how hard it is to identify these objects by saying we ha we see it on the screen for you know a split second, and. And that's all we have to go off of is this little picture right here. So what are we to do <laughs> to figure out what that is? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I find it makes it easier to look at it when you make it a little smaller. But they also brought up one point or insinuated that, you know, very few people have ever flown in the cockpit of a fighter jet. And so not only is it difficult to ascertain the speed of something, the velocity of something in the air to start with, but put yourself in a plane, seeing something out the window, you know, you're potentially moving incredibly fast. If you have, a, and then you have a video of it, is the thing in the video moving super fast or is that just you moving super fast past the object? You see what I'm saying? Okay, and then combine that, well, you're moving super fast and they're moving super fast. What does that look like? So I think it can be very relative, you know, and very open interpretation, just very hard to interpret. 
also, I feel like your judgment could be so swayed just based on somebody, what somebody told you. If somebody said to me, okay, that's an, an egg-shaped alien spacecraft falling into the ocean, I might be like, yeah, I could see that. And if somebody said, oh, that's my four-year-old's balloon that actually got released at the birthday party, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I could see that too. I have no right. idea. And I will say while watching the video, the object appeared to zip by the plane and the pilot reported seeing something in his vision now i have to tell you this is brand new information nobody knows this but we recently had someone reach out to us with a sighting that they reported i believe in january 1983 and they actually submitted to us a drawing that they had made i believe at the time january 1983 they reported it to the nearest base, I believe it was Air Force Base in Pennsylvania. They even were on in on the news about it, and they were interviewed by somebody official from the Air Force or the Pentagon. And here is the, and you know what, it actually makes me think of this object a little bit. Here is the diagram they sent us right here. Now this was drawn on January 3rd. 1988, they approximated it. it was 30 feet in height. By the way, this witness was a pilot themselves. They saw it out the window of their plane. So very similar circumstances. Now, I want to show you all what happened when I flipped this up kind of sideways here. Do you all see what I see? It, it kind of... Yeah, it looks similar. Kind of has the For same sure. shape. Especially, it looks like maybe it's turned and coming this way. You know what I mean? Like, this is the front. The white part's the front. Right. And the darker part would be the back. Mm-hmm. Instead of coming sideways, which I've always contest. You know, you're talking about a, a pilot. They are trained to recognize almost every flying aircraft known to man, I would assume, if they were, you know, at that level, because they don't just pick anybody to be a pilot for the, the military. And so when they're flabbergasted, I think that that's, that's yeah, there's something there. pretty good indication that something's going on. Yeah, did Dane, do these shapes remind you of anything you saw or heard about? I mean, not necessarily. Uh, just elementary question here on fighter jets. Is there assumable video being recorded at all times i mean it's just a non-stop feed on the the front and rear of a jet yep as far as i know pretty much i believe they they do and then they take that footage and kind of like i'm a coach we film our ball games we go back and watch the film to see what we can do better they go back and watch film to see you know what what they can do so one thing that they mentioned in this um, in this talk that they were doing was that if a pilot sees something, the first thing that they need to do is alert the higher chain of command so that they can maintain that footage and pull it. I don't think that they go through and look at all of the footage from these, these fighter jets, but if somebody says, hey, I, I caught something on camera, then they do make sure that they hold on to that footage. Well, that's true. It's kind of like we drove the bus. You had a camera on there. They didn't look at the footage unless you said, hey, yes. something happened on our bus today. 
you might want to look. And then they, of course, our cameras were broke about half the time, but they would pull the footage and, and they would look at it. Okay. But I, I just, it's hard to believe that these guys are not seeing something because, like I said, they're so well trained to, to right. recognize all these different things. And for them to be uh, not able to, to tell what it is, it's just pretty amazing if you think about it. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of cameras and being able to tell what things are, the next thing that Director Bray brought up was the infamous triangle UFOs that we have been discussing so much on our show and in the news in general. And he does offer an explanation for what they think that those might be. So Tim, play us that clip. We've also made progress in resolving the character of a limited number of UAP encounters. For example, let me show you a couple of, uh, another video and image uh, taken years apart in different areas. In this video, U.S. Navy personnel recorded what appears to be triangles, some flashing, recorded several years ago off the coast of the United States. This was recorded while the U.S. Navy ship uh, observed a number of small unmanned aerial systems uh, in the area. And importantly, the video was taken through night vision goggles with a single lens reflex camera. These remained unresolved for several years. But unresolved no more yes because yeah they're they're drones that was classified that that was classified the fact that they're drones several years later and here he is and off a different coast u.s navy personnel again in a swarm of unmanned aerial systems and again through swarm. night vision goggles and an slr camera uh, recorded this image. But this time, other U.S. Navy assets also observed unmanned aerial systems nearby. And we're now reasonably confident that these triangles correlate to unmanned aerial systems in the area. The triangular appearance is a result of light passing through the night vision goggles and then being recorded by an SLR camera. I can't help but wonder. So many questions. I know. Is there a lot more to, this, to what his to his words than what's on the surface, right? Swarms well, why, why of unmanned aerial swarm systems. Of, yeah. Why, why are people swarming us with drones? And he's reasonably confident. Hmm. Yeah. And you know what? This was part of my frustration with all this again is that it continues to be just the Navy, right? Like, okay, the Air Force doesn't know anything. Army don't know anything. Something tells me the Army and Air Force might know more than the Navy in all this. I mean, what are the odds that there's swarms of drones out in the ocean? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there was, like, uh, any aircraft carrier uh, nearby? Or... Well, I think it was recorded from an aircraft carrier, correct? Yes, I think so. And it backs up the theory that different branches of the military are experimenting with with different types of technology against the other branches just to see how they'll react. Maybe somebody in the upper echelon knows what what the real deal is, but, you know, the people who have to react, the pilots, the, the people on the ground or what have you, they don't, they're not actually in the know at all. Exercise. 
where only the one percent right. actually know what's happening. Yes, definitely. And uh, to add on to that, I think that if that's a possibility, then maybe we're trying to convince other countries that these things are uh, UAPs instead of new technology that we've actually oh, developed. Definitely some gamesmanship. That definitely could be the case. And that is something that they mentioned several times. They said, well, if we had the technology, you can understand why we wouldn't want to let our adversaries know. But in regards to these triangle UFOs, and I don't think that we have a clip of this, but one of the congressmen asked them and said, okay, you're saying that these are actually drones and because of the night vision goggles and because of the type of camera that was used, the way that the light's reflecting makes them look like, look like triangles. Have you tested that? Have you taken drones out? Have you used the night vision goggles? Have you taken pictures with the same cameras? And are you getting the triangle shape? And they said, we are aware of people who have tested that. Yes. <laughs> but we're not aware that of they studies have tested it. That have yeah, we're aware that. of studies. Okay. It just makes you, it just verifies the level of stuff they're not telling, telling us is unreal. Like one thing from the very beginning of this, congressional hearing and I I felt it play out for most of the hearing it only broke a few times it seemed so choreographed it seemed very choreographed it seemed like okay these congressmen they know we're going in, into closed hearing after this closed session they know that's where the good stuff's coming out it, you really got the sense for the most part that they kind of it was kind of scripted. Like, we know we're not going to ask about this. We're just throwing you some generic questions here to send to the public. Yeah, I felt that way too. I even felt that when they um, were pretending to sort of get more out of Secretary Moultrie, they were asking him about his affinity for science fiction. Yeah. And it was meant to come across as like, we know what you're up to. We know that you might actually be a believer in extraterrestrial beings when really they were just trying to get him to bring it to circle back to, no, that's not what I'm doing. I think you have that clip, Tim, in fact. It's fair to say that you are a science fiction fan, is that correct? It's fair to say that uh, I am an inquisitive mind who has uh, spent 40 years in the intelligence field and has focused on both science and science fiction. That is fair. Could you tell us about Under Secretary Moultrie yeah, well, here. Yeah, look, my generation grew up uh, looking at um, space sagas and, and the, the Apollo program. So all of us who uh, grew up in the 60s uh, were, were just thrilled by watching um, our first astronaut land on the moon. That was a momentous occasion to people who were of different generations. Uh, some of them didn't believe that happened. I still have relatives and friends who don't Tim. believe it happened, right? Science fiction to them. But to us, it was, no, was the progress that we've made. And so I was enthralled but by his that, own family members. That to heart. I enjoy um, uh, the challenge of what may be out there. I have mentioned to you that, uh, yes, I have followed science fiction. I have gone to conventions, even I'll say it on the record. Uh, uh, Got to break the ice somehow. But Take a uh, picture you know, of I, that. I have done that, right? But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Who do you think he dressed up like? Dress up, but <laughs> I do, uh, you know, I do believe that it's important. It's Black to show Panther too easy. That the Department of Defense has, um, you know, we have character, and we're people just like you, just like the American people. We have our, um, we have our, um, our inquisitiveness. Uh, we have our questions. We want to know what's out there as much as you want to know what's out there. 
we get the questions not just from you, we get it from family members. And we get them <laughs> night and day, uh, not just in committee hearings. So finding what's out there is important. But first and foremost, it's important for us to do that so that we can ensure that our people, our personnel, our aviators, our bases and installations are safe. Uh, I think it was Black Panther. <laughs> but I found it fascinating how his own family members are like, hey, hey, cuz, we don't think we went to yeah. the moon. All right. We didn't go to the moon. <laughs> I know you've worked for the Department of Defense for 40 years, but we don't buy it. By the way, we're still not going to the moon. We're not going tomorrow. We're not going next week. No plans for the month after that. Why no not? plans for next year. Just saying. Actually, I believe there's six countries that are set to go to the moon in the next year. Ours included. Oh, yeah? No. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait, let's clarify that. There are six countries with people scheduled to set foot on the moon next year correct no way no way i'm gonna put it out here right now folks you heard it here right here not right now there will not be anybody set foot on the moon next year you can yeah, book it. i highly doubt it too i just Won't. haven't heard enough momentum <laughs> no not way look, not look. no exactly no Japan, South Korea, Russia, India, the United Arab Emirates, and the United States all aim to send missions to the moon the in the next event. year. But will they make Storms it? That's what the headline move is. Location. Speaking of that. Unless the pipeline gets open, I guess we're going to stay here. I can't even drive to Disney World, much less the moon. <laughs> be safe over there, Dane. By the way, we were supposed to be joined by our military consultant, Mr. J, but he was under the weather tonight. Whoa, Dane changed locations quick. But I did think it, it was interesting how they threw a little shade at Undersecretary Moultrie for his Comic-Con appearances. <laughs> we just went to a Comic-Con the other day. so. Well, that's a typical tactic, I think, is just discrediting them. You know, initially, anybody who's had a sighting, making them sound, you know, crazy or disillusioned. Right, making it to sound like you want this to be an extraterrestrial rather than some yeah. sort of technology here. That lightning storm was pretty cool in the back, but oh yeah, yeah, got a little. Yeah, you ran in quick. You took trends. It got a little close. Get struck by lightning while doing a podcast. Yep. Notice and down that goes that... our UFO sighting <laughs> chances on live <laughs> TV. None of us told you to go inside. We're like, well, we could get some good ratings. Well, they say only one <laughs> yeah. in ten people get struck by lightning actually die. You're willing to take mm. those chances. Off of the gram. Take one for all things unexplained. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh, so, well, once they got past his affinity for Comic-Cons, they moved into what sorts of domains that this department was looking into to, to look for these UAPs and I was <laughs> kind of laughing as I listened to which domains they were covering I'll let Tim play the clip and you can maybe I, I did think this yourself. was fascinating <laughs> and thank you Mr. Mold for breaking the ice the way you did appreciate that uh, the inability to understand objects in our sensitive operating areas is tantamount to an intelligence failure that we certainly want to avoid this is not about finding alien spacecraft, but about delivering dominant intelligence across the tactical, operational, and strategic spectrum. So my question is, how can AIMSOG lead to prevention of intelligence surprises? Sure, I'll start with that. Uh, 
So the goal of our effort is Under Secretary to integrate again. it into what we already do on a normal basis, which is look for the unknown unknowns, Congressman, as you stated in your opening remarks, across all domains. So we've been doing this for decades. Here's we've the domains again. At the space domain, looking at space, space objects, looking at space weather, looking at space phenomenon. Uh, we've been looking at things in the air domain, and we, as you air. know, we, um, and I'll talk more about this in classified session, but we Whoa. have a very concerted effort to understand adversarial platforms and adversarial developmental programs. And we do that also in the ground domain, and of course we're right. very interested in what happens in the, um, in the underwater or sea domain, if you will, subsurface domain. Well, USO, unexplained <laughs> submerged object. That about covers it then. The uh, <laughs> air, the land, the water, <laughs> the space. It, it really does. I thought it was fascinating. He mentioned the water, though. And, of course, Dane had a, a yeah, infamous absolutely. sighting over the water himself. Uh, and there's a lot of ocean out there, as everybody knows. And there's a lot of vessels you know, in those remote parts of the ocean at all times. Um, and there's a, a lot of sightings, a lot of people who say they see stuff you know, um, surfacing from the ocean. In my case, my captain said on multiple occasions, he watched UFOs hover over skipjack tuna fish schools and basically suck them from the water into their vessel. That's my favorite UFO story of all time, by the way. <laughs> Go back and listen to oh, when we sure. had Dana on before to hear that whole story. It's great. And, you know, when he said about the water domain, I couldn't help but wonder if he threw that in there because of some of our servicemen going on the record with 60 Minutes, for example, and other sources, other entities, and detailing these UAPs making use of the water, of the having the ability to equally move and traverse from air to water and back and forth, which, by the way, no other physical, and this comes into play later, what does physical mean, but no other physical, earthly object that we know of has the ability to do that. No other balloons, no drones. There is nothing else in existence that we know of that has the ability to seamlessly transition from air to water I did not know and that. back and forth. You would think yeah, we've uh, made that's something, true. but... I mean, I certainly can't think of anything. Right. But there they are in the water domain looking for balloons. Yeah. It's all data though, right, CJ? All data. <laughs> yeah, they moved into data <laughs> next, which, you know, to me, this felt a little bit like... You know, somebody asking, like, who do you share your Netflix password with? You know, and you're like, well, share it with some. We don't share it with others. Some share their Hulu with me and maybe not with others. But they went into who do we share our intelligence data with in terms of these these UAPs? And I'm not sure that we got a clear answer on this, but we'll go ahead and take a listen. It reminds me of a friend of mine. He works in tech. And for Halloween every year, he goes as DD as a DD on his shirt. And, of course, in Marvel Comics, that stands for Daredevil. But in the tech world, that stands for Dirty Data. <laughs> that uh, all of our allies, or is it allies and adversaries, what have we learned publicly? So some of that, I think, sir, will say for close session. And he, oh, had, session. he had asked, well, had other people seen question. these Publicly, UAPs. have others said, made anything, which would not have to be considered close. So, I don't want you to answer what they've said, necessarily. 
allies have uh, have seen these. China has established its own version of a UAP task force. Public knowledge. Uh, clearly, a number of countries have observations of uh, uh, of things in the airspace that they can't identify. And uh, do we share data with some, with all? Are they sharing with us? We share data with some, and some share data with us. <laughs> I just thought well, that was some kind of answer right there. He's real good about saying a whole lot but nothing. Yeah. Just talking around circles. We share data with, and with some, and some share data with us. I feel like <laughs> if you wondered why, and Smitty, you hit the nail on the head. I feel like if you wondered, well, why was the deputy director the one presenting at this? Just listen to him. Smitty hit the nail on the head. He flawlessly says nothing <laughs> yes, while does. saying a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I like his voice. Too. It makes you feel glad to hear it. <laughs> yes, they did. They really did flawlessly say nothing without, they didn't commit to anything, which made me really love the next guy that got to ask questions. Oh, yes. Yeah, this guy, Representative Gallagher, I think was the only one of the entire hearing it was just like, screw it. I'm going to ask these questions. I'm never going to be invited back, but I'm going to do it anyway because this is my one and only yeah. opportunity. And he starts off asking about Project Blue Book and potential other projects. Yes. To be continued. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. To help keep us going, please be sure to visit patreon.com backslash allthingsunexplained. Our Patreon patrons get early access to podcasts as well as exclusive audio and video clips. Or you can find us on Venmo under the business accounts. Just look for at Bigfoot UFO. Additionally, you can support us at buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained. If you can't get enough of us, go ahead and check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats. Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.